Welcome once again into the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving here in the United States. If you're joining us, our uh, very well-documented international audience, I hope you're just having a great day. It's the World Cup. We can all celebrate together. And everyone has played once. And of the 32 teams, I think there are four countries that you put in the first-class cabin. If this was a plane, four teams would get to sit in first class. Brazil, in alphabetical order. Brazil, England, France, Spain. Now we'll see what happens the second time around. We're going to have a comprehensive preview and prediction for the U.S. game against Wales coming up shortly in the next segment. We will shorten our previews a little bit as a result so we can focus on the United States. We'll also shorten our uh, recaps of what happened on uh, Thursday. We saw some heavy hitters. We saw Brazil. We saw Portugal. We saw Uruguay. We saw the Swiss. We saw Korea. Some interesting things to, to take out of that. We saw Ronaldo come in, and he had a significant role to play. Before we move forward, we want to give a warm thank you and a happy Thanksgiving to the best part of Thanksgiving, Farmer John, our good partners here who are helping make this program possible. Look at this. This is what you want to get, right? That's what you want to get. Go to the grocery store and get your Farmer John classic bacon, smokehouse bacon. We got some. We're putting it around the turkey. My wife said, don't eat bacon this morning because we're going to put it around the turkey, so I'm very excited about that. I also got my uh, Farmer John bobblehead. There's the farmer. Me and the farmer. Get on swell. Let's get into the games. It started with Switzerland, Cameroon. The early games have been hard to watch. I'm a big believer, man, and I've talked to a lot of coaches when you get to play under the lights at night, it's a different feeling than when you get to do it uh, with shadows and sunlight in your eyes. It's harder to play, it's harder to watch. But still, Switzerland, Cameroon gave us a, uh, a nice curtain raiser for the day. We're, we're looking at these African teams. It wasn't great for the African teams, but you see some silver linings for them. I like Cameroon. Uh, obviously, uh, Chupa Moting is the high-profile guy, but you saw Brian Embuemo, who plays for Brentford. We saw Andre Frank and Gisa, who plays at Napoli, do a really nice job. So there is some good foundation stones for Cameroon. Before I move forward, I got to say, Napoli, really well represented in this World Cup. And keep in mind, no Italian players, obviously, because Italy is not there. But Napoli, very well represented when you think of Anguisa, Kim Min Jai, who we'll talk about in a moment, who was with Korea, Piotr Zielinski, Matias Oliveira, Chucky Lozano. Goes to show how they recruit internationally, and it's paying off in a big way. Big moment in this game, uh, it was the only goal, but it was a really touching moment. Braille Mbolo, who we talked about yesterday, born in Cameroon, parents are from Cameroon, plays for Switzerland, scored the goal, did not celebrate, was very respectful. That goal held up, and now the Swiss in a pretty good shot in position in a group that features Brazil and Serbia, who played a little bit later, and we will uh, we'll talk about that. We did have uh, another nil-nil draw, and they're starting to pile up. Interesting stat. In 2018, there was one scoreless draw in the whole competition. We're talking about 64 games. One scoreless game in the whole time. And now we're starting to get a few here. It seemed like we almost had another one uh, in that Portugal versus Ghana game. Before we get to that, let's talk about Uruguay and Korea. 
This was a fun game to watch. It ended scoreless. Uh, one shot on target between both teams. Uruguay hit the post twice. You know, I picked Korea to finish second in this group behind Portugal. And there's a, I think for, for that to come true, I, Korea should have won this game. We had Son Heung-min. He went the full distance. Looking at what happened in another game, Portugal and Ghana. Ghana's not going to lie down for everyone. They were very competitive. Now, I get the feeling they'll get something from their game against Uruguay or Korea. We'll have to see who will fold. But this group's still wide open. And the fact that the Portugal-Ghana game didn't end tied, obviously not great news for Uruguay and Korea as they would have liked to have kept everyone tightly packed in this game. Son Heung-min played with a mask, had some nice moments, wasn't influential enough. He was eating Martin Cáceres' lunch in those wide positions. It was good to see him play. Uh, ebb and flow. I thought by the end of the game, Uruguay would have felt worse off for not winning the game because of the two post shots. The Uruguayan goalkeeper, Sergio Roche, uh, he made some really peculiar plays in that game. That would worry me about Uruguay. I think everyone in Uruguay is a little bit worried about how they came out. This was supposed to be a win. Uruguay fancies themselves as a, a title contender, possibly. Probably a semifinalist, more realistically. I don't think they reach either of those. This is a very flawed team. I use the word flawed a lot because most teams are just that. And... One big flaw about Uruguay, I, look, they play, they actually outpossessed Korea, but normally they like to sit and let the other team possess. So outpossessing Korea was a good step in the right direction. But this team is just so old. And I don't understand why they bring back these guys because Uruguay has fantastic young players in the system playing all over the world. They are a factory for football. There are talented defenders. There are talented... Mid they, have the, they already have a great midfield in place. I mean, that midfield with uh, Pajarito Valverde and Rodrigo Betancourt, one of the best midfields in the competition. But they have a really aging back line and they have a real aging front line. So, I mean, they, they play Luis Suarez. They started him. Edison Cavani comes in. The, the ideal front pairing for me, for Uruguay, and if they played this, and look, you know, I'm no coach, is Darwin Nunez, who had a nice game, and Georgian Arasquieta, who did not get off the bench. But they have other good young players on the bench. We saw them, Nico de la Cruz, Matias Vigna. I mean, I, I would like for Uruguay to lead into that young future, but they hang on. I mean, when these guys, they're talking about playing in four World Cups, doesn't that strike you as a little too much? Suarez, Cavani, Cáceres, Fernando Musleta is the backup goalkeeper. Why is he there? Let the kids play. As I talked about it yesterday, when these older guys are around, you've got to defer to them. And that doesn't allow the next generation to grow. You can have one or two. But the Luis Suarez, Luis Suarez looks so out of place out there. He should not be here. His best days are well behind him. His stats, zero shots, zero chances created, two touches in the box, 50% passing accuracy. For forwards, your passing accuracy should be somewhere in the 70s. 50% is bad. 18 touches. None in that attacking third. 64 minutes played. You got to pull, you gotta pull the, the cord on Suarez now. He can't be your featured guy there. If they do that, Uruguay have a shot. But if they still kiss the ring of this old guard, Uruguay's in big trouble. Diego Godin was actually pretty good, but I still don't understand why. I mean, having defenders that old is going to get you in a little bit of trouble. Korea... Uh, Kim Min-jae, uh, 
we heard about him at Napoli, and he played so well in the Serie A. He had a, a nice look. and we, They showed they had some depth when they were able to bring in Lee Kang-in and Cho Gersung, pardon me, off the bench. So they have some exciting young players. Both these teams are going to make it very interesting moving forward. I enjoy that game as a scoreless affair. Portugal, Ghana. Okay. American referee Ismail Elfath. Scoreless forever. Ronaldo, the big story. Everybody wanted Rafael Leao to start in front of him. Probably should have. The old players, we've seen them wilt early on. Lionel Messi had a bad day. The Uruguayan guys. And certainly, so did Ronaldo. Until he picks up the penalty. I tweeted that it was outrageous that it was a penalty. I've looked at it a couple more times. I'm not outraged. I still don't think it was a penalty, but it is what it is. I will say this, though. The minute Ronaldo got that penalty, this game came alive. It was scoreless Drek, and then Ghana scored, and then Portugal scored, and then Portugal scored again, and then Ghana scored, and then Ghana almost scored the cheekiest goal of the tournament. So a scoreless game, we were headed that direction, suddenly had five goals. Portugal, this Ronaldo thing is big. I think they, they really look into him. And look, he, he changed this game. He obviously was a big part of it. And he was able to change the game with what he was able to do. Whether you thought it was a simulation or not, I don't care. If it works, it's the World Cup. You do whatever it takes. And Cristiano Ronaldo was able to do that. And goals from Andre Ayew in the 73rd. Jao Felix responds. Rafael, Rafael Leal comes off the bench and he's able to score as well. Portugal just loaded. Bernardo Silva was excellent. Uh, I like Ghana as well. And this is a team, they're too young now. But this is a team to keep an eye on for that African breakthrough. And I know we talk about it every World Cup. It's not going to happen here in Qatar. It's not. Cameroon lose. Ghana lose. Senegal uh, start off with a loss. Tunisia and Morocco grind out ties. It ain't happening. They might get a team in the round of 16 and that's it. But I really liked uh, some of the pieces in here. Mohamed Kudus, 22-year-old midfielder, was involved in that first goal. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, Usman Bukhari comes off the bench and does the siu. By the way, when Ronaldo did the siu, siu. I know that's not correct. Siu. The whole stadium did it. That was pretty amazing. Ronaldo is, you know, we can be critical of him, but there's millions and millions of people that will support him. And you will be shocked if you badmouth Ronaldo, how many people love him. So tread lightly with that. This group, uh, certainly up for grabs for who is second uh, as we, we, we look at Uruguay and maybe Portugal gets dragged back down. Uruguay, Korea, and Ghana. It really is wide open. Maybe Ghana does get through there. I saw enough from them that suggests they certainly have a shot, having already played the best team and almost got something from it. Finally, Brazil, Serbia. Brazil, Serbia, the starting 11 for Brazil. He chadly son up top in front instead of Gabriel Jesus. Everyone was bent out of shape about that. Vinicius, Neymar, Rafinha behind them. Casemiro, Lucas Paqueta, Alexandro Sando, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, Danilo in that back four. The options attacking-wise off the bench, Rodrigo, Anthony, Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Martinelli all coming into that game. This was a hard game. Serbia, very physical. They got some yellow cards and some fouls early on. I mean, they put Neymar through the grinder. There are some news as I started recording 
that Neymar has a twisted ankle and maybe some game action could be in peril. So check uh, the local listings. We'll have an update for you tomorrow. Before I get to Brazil, <clears throat> Serbia losing 2-zip, not terrible. Brazil is going to unload on somebody in this group. Serbia has to be thankful it wasn't them. They were down a goal. It was scoreless for, it was scoreless for a long stretch. It was scoreless up to the 62nd minute. So Serbia, I think, can keep their heads up. Uh, it's about finishing second here, and it always will was, will was going to be. Really impressive with how Brazil were resilient. They took the best shot from Serbia. They had the physical nature, and they found a way. They got a poacher's goal from Hichalison, and then they got the goal of the tournament in the 72nd minute. And something about Hichalison, which is incredible. We pronounce the Brazilian names correctly here, in case you didn't notice. One thing about Hichalison that was pretty amazing is that uh, he loves playing for Brazil. He hasn't been a great club player when he was with Everton or Tottenham Hotspur. He has 19 goals for Brazil in all competitions, more than any other player since he debuted in September of 2018. Switzerland's next for Brazil. We're off and running. So everyone's been, been gotten the game. It's a good feeling. We all know what's happening on Friday. USA, England, massive, the biggest game for the United States in many years. We talked about Wales being the first game, but it was always about England up next. Coming up on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily, we will preview it and give you a prediction. Check out the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Here are my social media handles. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We are ready to serve you. Let's go. Well, here we are, the day we've been looking forward to for months, Black Friday. And a reason to stay out of the malls. USA, England, it is a matchup we have seen before, going back to the 2010 World Cup where the United States, famous was it the New York Post headline, USA beats England 1-1. They would end up winning that group, thanks to the Landon Donovan goal. By the way, Landon Donovan's been pretty good on that Fox coverage. I've been enjoying him. And the 1950 famous victory by the United States, Joe Gaetjens, uh, one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history. And the US have never lost to England, but they've never faced a team like this. This England team is terrifying. And even though they had a bad run-up to the World Cup, it looked like the, all of that got wiped away in that 6-2 victory over Iran. An Iran team that was viewed as a, 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 veritable, a veritable threat to get out of this group. The United States is a massive underdog. Plus 500, according to Vegas. Uh, even a draw, plus 330, not very good. Uh, the sports books are telling you they expect England to win this. And... They are a big favorite, and we'll get into how they are being viewed from, viewed from the English side. Before we move forward on that, I want to look back at the Wales game. Because after it ended, it was, yeah, the U.S. took their foot off the pedal in the second half. And then it became, a few hours later, Wales really outplayed Eng uh, the United States in the second half. And then it was, Wales runs circles over the U.S. in the second half. I was watching this segment on... Uh, ESPN, it was Mad Dog Russo and Stephen A. Smith, and they were ripping the U.S. for tying Wales like it was this, it was beneath them. And it gets me to the perception of the U.S. team and how we've raised the perception when they're really not that 
Great. Greg Berhalter said this is not a golden generation, and they're not. They're not there yet. But we have heaped the praise on there because a guy's playing at Chelsea, a guy's playing at Dortmund, a guy's playing at Leeds. Uh, this team still has to grow, and they are very, very green. The potential is there. The ceiling is high. But going back to the perception of the Welsh game, it was like that they ran right through the U.S. So I watched the game again, and I got to tell you, the U.S. were were not bad in the second half. They were very much better in the first half. They didn't make the right adjustments in the second. And uh, they were very close to getting a one-zip victory, which would have made a yellow brick road on their way to the round of 16. It didn't happen, but Wales are a good team. Not many teams qualify from Europe, 13. Wales was one of them. Wales is ranked 19th in the world. USA is 16. Coming into the game, everyone said, the data, the gamblers said, this was going to be a tie. It ended up being a tie. Wales is on the US's level. England's not on that level. They are in a higher plane. But a lot of good teams didn't qualify from Europe. Italy, Sweden, Norway, who have arguably the best player in the world. Wales knocked out Ukraine, a really talented nation, from qualifying. Wales really earned their spot. This is a good team with a superstar in the front in Gareth Bale. So uh, that is who we are. That's kind of where we are. And I, this whole thing that Greg Berhalter is holding this team back, maybe a little bit. Is he the best manager in the field? No. <coughs> is he... Uh, has he made some mistakes? Yes. Do I like the fact that he said that Gio Reyna's dealing with a gimpy hamstring one day and the next day said it was his decision to keep him out? I don't like it, but this welcome to the world of soccer management. The media doesn't get this information. And it's not just in the US. It's in England. It's in Brazil. It's in Egypt. The media, they like to keep them out of the circle. All these trainings have been, by and large, behind closed doors. There's been no access to the U.S. team. Very little. And that's how it works in these FIFA competitions. But Greg Berhalter's not holding them back. you got to look at these players. And they didn't hit their spots. But you also got to remember, they're, they're way behind the ears. Other than DeAndre Yedlin, of the 16 players that played against Wales, 15 of them we're playing in a World Cup for the first time. You don't take that into equation? You should. This is, these guys are in diapers. And I'm not saying we're playing towards 2026 because nothing's guaranteed in four years. The U.S. still have a pathway to do something remarkable in this World Cup. But things have to fall into place. And you have to, be, you have to approach this uh, with a level head. Uh, and Greg Berhalter... I think he gave you the lineup he wanted. I mean, people are screaming about Gio Reyna because Jordan Morris came on in the 88th minute. Jordan Morris was a direct replacement for Tim Weah. I want to see Gio Reyna, but he's more of a direct replacement for Christian Pulisic. I asked the question, would you bring in Gio Reyna for Christian Pulisic in this game? Knowing that unless he plays as a false nine, which he hasn't done, or he jumps in for Tim Weah, who's the only player that gets us vertical and may have been the best player on the field against the Welsh. Score the goal. But other than that, Greg Berhalter's giving you that 11. I mean, for the MLS haters, there was one MLS player on the field, Walker Zimmerman, who, again, played a really good game, but had one mistake. 
Yeah, it was a bad mistake. It was a terrible tackle. But these things, these things happen in the games. He and Tim Ream, I thought it was a very promising combination. They're big and they're strong and exactly what you want against this English team moving up here. So a uh, quick look at what we expect from England. Harry Kane dealing with a, uh, an injury. Oh, just one last thing about Wales. The U.S. had their chances to win it in the second half. Christian Pulisic almost picked up a penalty. I'm sorry my voice gets so high. So they had some moments. They had some moments. England, uh, Harry Kane had an injury, but it looks like he is ready to go. There was talk about them playing with a back five. They didn't against Iran. There's no reason to think they'll do that here. The midfield is strong with Mount and Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham, who has already become one of the big stars of the tournament. That's not going to change. He is a remarkable talent. And then you have Kane at the top with Sterling. And man, they have so much talent that can come in to this, this game, which we saw against Iran. You know, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's a very strong team. Uh, but the U.S. come in with uh, in good health. Uh, they have some yellow card issues. Dest, McKenney, Ream, Acosta carrying yellows. England have no yellow cards. The United States had a ton of possession against the Welsh. It's going to be a different game here because England's going to want to play. And part of what the English public are so thrilled about is that England came out fast uh, in their opening game and got the result. Didn't sit back and put themselves in any peril. And they will be expected to do it again. In fact, Alan Shearer, English legend, said, I want more of the same. Go after it. Then he also added, I would be rubbing my hands together about playing them, the United States. So everyone sees the United States as a team that you should get three points against if you're England. Vegas says it. The data says it. A young team's going to have to come up big. It's going to be a Herculean effort for the United States. Gareth Southgate, the English manager, saying we're regaining our respectability. The United States saying we're embracing the underdog role. It's cliche, I know, but it's true. We may have thought that they were pulling level, that the talent's on the same level. It's not. Uh, Gareth Southgate also adding about, you know, that they're kind of upset at the U.S. because they took one of our own, Eunice Musa. I do like the fact that there's a lot of ties that bind. There's similarities and the United States have the two guys that play at Leeds, the two guys that play at Fulham, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Eunice Musa, English uh, with an American connection, and they pick the United States for their international path. So there are those connections. I think that benefits the U.S. <coughs> and uh, it would be, uh, it's a U.S. team that has to, I, I don't see them change. The, the 11 that they're going to come out with, it, we, we got to get Gio Reyna in there and, and it's got to be the right situation. And before I get to my prediction, I'll tell you why you got to be careful about your 11. The back four was good. Anthony Robinson, one of the best players for me on the field, maybe the best player on the field. It's got to work on the crossing. Like you can't work on it. We're just not a good crossing team. We're not a good set piece team. Those are the facts. Serginho Dest, solid. He got stretched a little bit, but he's still a solid player. And I told you about the center backs. Adams was fantastic. Eunice Musa. Not perfect, but you can see why you want to keep him in there. And then Weston McKinney, you know, I, uh, I, did, I got to meet Weston McKinney. He was in an LAFC game. The guy, is a, he looks like he's it's like a free safety. He's a big, solid citizen. We kind of need that. I know he's not healthy, but if he is, 
Weston McKinney gets in there. This is the kind of player you want for the English test. The question up front with Pulisic and Weya, do you bring in Sargent? Sargent did the same thing as his predecessors at the number nine, unable to score and unable to really get involved. Maybe you bring in Gio Reyna there. I just don't know. How will the possession go? How will they look on the spots defensively? Also remember, England looking at the big picture of this. They're expected to win the World Cup, so they're thinking seven games. The USA could say they're thinking seven games, but let's be realistic here. And again, I get back to being realistic about what this team is capable of. They're capable of beating England. There's no doubt about it. Things have to be perfect. They have to finish their chances. They've got to be creating more chances. They've got to do something on set pieces. They've got to cross the ball perfectly. It's a long list. I'm running out of fingers to describe it. But this is it. I think the U.S. will do a, a good effort. I think they'll do themselves proud. And we have to see those early 15, 20 minutes, I think, will be key. Because <coughs> that's where it got away from Iran. By the way, Iran scored a couple goals. So this English defense can be breached. Harry Maguire may not be ready to go. I know he gets a lot of criticism, but he's a good international defender. And we'll, we'll have to wait and see if he is capable of going because I, I, would, I would rather have the backup than have Harry Maguire out there. As for my prediction, here we go. And again, we, we mentioned how the wales Iran game will be played at 5 a.m. Eastern so you can do some scoreboard watching as to what you might need. In the event that Wales blow the doors off of Edan, I don't think that's going to happen. So you will have that game at 2 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. local. These are late games. The U.S. are training late at night to accommodate the schedule. So everything's been shifted for the late night uh, side of the World Cup. That may change in the knockout stages. We shall see. Because of the big picture here, and uh, I wanted to mention one thing that Cameron Carter Vickers said with regard to how much he wanted to beat England. And it, some people were saying, does this mean he's going to play? Does this mean you're going to play with three center backs? It's not a bad idea. And I'll tell you this. I was listening to Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan's got the inside rail with the U.S. He knows Greg Berhalter and Jay Berhalter. He, he knows all those guys really well. He might be privy to some information. And on one of the Fox broadcasts said, we really shouldn't be worrying about England. We've got to focus on Iran. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's what the U.S. are saying. He's right. Uh, you you want to get a good result against England, but at the end of the day, you've got to beat Iran. You figure the Welsh will spill something here and there because they're not deep. For them to go three games and get seven points, very unlikely. So what do you do? What is the best approach for this England game? You've got to play mistake-free. You can't leave your back line uh, shorthanded you got to play smart. So with that in mind, that maybe you're focusing on Iran, maybe that opens the door for a guy like Gio Reyna to come in here. Or maybe it doesn't actually because you want to play a very tight <coughs> style in this game to get the result. So the United States, I believe, the goal is to lose this game 2-1. to one. England wins 2-1. The trick is not to lose it 3-1 or worse. Goal differential is going to play a big role, I believe, at the end of the day. So a loss to England 2-1 would almost feel like a tie. I know that sounds crazy, but it really comes down to the Iran game. So as much as we have put into this England game, 
The Wales game was important. The Iran game was important. We kind of said that the bookend games and the groups will get you through to the groups. You knew England was probably a, a too big of a challenge. Let them win the group. Hopefully they do a favor for you against the Welsh. Don't get the doors blown off of you in this game. Be competitive. Show that American spirit. I know you're capable of it. And then we'll take it from there. 2-1 for England. The final score in the second Group B match. Enjoy it. I think the U.S. will do us proud. I think they know the significance of this matchup. Now they got to do the job. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily airing every day throughout the World Cup. We are here in podcast form where all podcasts are available. And also on my YouTube, Max Bretos. Check it out on our social media handles. We'll be back to recap the USA game and uh, see where we are after that. Enjoy it. I remind you, enjoy it. These games are precious. 